This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, 5'2", and 107 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea Kay. Good evening and welcome to the Andrea Kay Show. I am glad to be with you all tonight. And I am, in spite of the fact that every ounce of my being is as angry and as fired up as I have ever been in my life politically, I'm in a good mood tonight. You want to know why? In fact, I got my celebratory sprinkles donut tonight. You want to know why? Why? Because tonight... And I haven't even introduced you yet. Y'all know who that is sharing the studio with me tonight. That's none other than DJ. Who carrot sticks? <laughs> I am fired up and excited because tonight was the last night that I would ever have to suffer a State of the Union address. I don't even want to say his name. I'm really wishing that I could just go to bed tonight and wake up and, and, and be ushering in another president in 2017. But at least... Yeah! At least we can say that this was the last time that he would ever be a part of the spectacle that went down tonight in the hallowed halls of Congress. Because let me tell you, the, every aspect of it is exactly why Trump is in the lead. Because the spectacle that went on there tonight is why so many Americans like me are fed up and disgusted with D.C., not just Obama. Because he represents the worst of what's going on in D.C., but he's not all of what's bad in D.C. Lots of different ways to be a part of the show tonight. I've really been, um, I actually didn't get to hear all of the speech. I literally got to a point where I thought my head was going to explode, that the dynamite in the dress was going to actually come through the top of my head. But also because I kept trying to stop and make comments and tweet about it and make notes uh, for the show. And then I kind of ran out of time, thank goodness, because I was able to pack my bag and leave. I tried to listen to some of it in the car, but literally I I just couldn't stand it anymore. And so I'm grateful tonight. I got a couple of of friends who are going to be calling in, helping me to break it down. Many of you did not watch because you're grateful that the time is drawing to the end of the Obama presidency. Um, But I felt like it was important to watch and pay attention and take notes and think about it because this was a transference of power, if you will. First of all, it was about not only telegraphing what he wanted to do the last year in office, but it was a setup for the presidential election in 2016. This is how the entire Democrat Party is going to be framing uh, the future. And that's why so much of the speech had to do with five years from now, 10 years from now, as he said, Tweet at me, follow me on Twitter at Andrea K5, friend me on Facebook, like my fan page, Andrea K. And uh, let's keep this conversation rolling after tonight. Many of you who did listen, and I, like I said, I did think it was important to listen because, uh, you know, on um, tonight's Craig Sewing Show, Craig and I talked, and you know, it's Tuesdays with AK on the Craig Sewing Show. One of the things that Craig and I have been talking about for a while is as we go into 2016, regardless of who our nominee is, how is the Republican Party, we are at a critical tipping point. We said 2008 was was incredibly important election for America. We said 2012, got to get it right or we're in some dire straits. It truly is a tipping point in America 2016. Many people think it's actually too late. I still think there's time. But regardless of who is our nominee, it is a tipping point. And the Republican Party better be able to counter the swill, the propaganda, the lies 
that were uttered by Obama tonight and will continue to be uttered by everybody in the Democrat Party. Because as I said on tonight's Craig Sewing Show, what the Democrats do really well and what I said on last night's Andrea K. Show is what they do really, really well is they wordsmith every argument. It's not, it's like Charles Krauthammer said the other night on Fox News. He said, it's not abortion, it's choice. You know, it, it's not gun control. It's common sense, you know, end of violence or, or protecting children. There's just so many different ways that they wordsmith. And we're going to go through, um, so I'm going to go through some of, of the speech. So many of you tonight said, hey, I lost track on all the lies. Breitbart already has up. They fact-checked and they've got the top 10 lies of Obama's speech tonight. Uh, interesting article there. Um, but it's interesting how what they, you know, there's far more than 10 lies that were spewed in the speech tonight. I put on Facebook, you know, anybody believe in this, you know, where were you when I was trying to hawk Xerox machines that had to be delivered with a fire extinguisher and they still cost three times as much as the competition. Cause you know what, if you believe tonight, I really needed you back when I was selling those machines. Um, many, many more than 10 lies tonight. But before I get into that, what, what really struck me in terms of the overall theme, first of all, was the spectacle of the Americans. So many people, all of which can't stand him as much as me, or most of them who can't stand him as much as me, fawning over him and shaking his hand. The whole This man has done more to try to destroy America in the last seven years than an entire enemy of state could have done to us. And people are fawning over him like it's still 2008 and we don't know who the heck he is, okay? And I'll tell you something else in terms of the spectacle. I will be so glad to not have to see a camera pan to that woman as she descends the steps and everybody's fawning over her and we're being told that we've got to act as though she's an attractive human being, okay? I'm glad I don't have to be forced to look at that anymore. In the house, uh, hallowed halls of Congress. There, I said it. There's been too much propaganda and them being some class act being forced on us and us being acting like I got to admit, I got to act as though that woman is attractive. I can't stand that anymore. You can tell I'm aggravated. So I'm glad I'm not going to be forced to look at that anymore, at least not in the State of the Union. But it was really all about, it was almost, so much of the speech was almost kind of a redo of the Hope and Change speech from 2008. And it's as though, it was all about unity, and he even says at one point, oh, we got to go, you know, he doesn't want us to go back into our tribes. What? Go back into our tribes? As though he's unified us? Are you kidding me? His, from the minute he took office, he did everything he could to divide us according um, amongst our tribes. I talked about this last night from whether it was, you know, he says, you know, not to go, not to think as, as white or black or gay or straight. That's how he's divided everybody as much as he could. Part of the cop attack in Philadelphia or the two police officers I talked about last night who were shot in the head were done because he has done more to divide us according to race and to fan the flames of hatred to the point to where it has literally cost people their lives. And now he's standing up there acting as though he's been a unifier. Are you kidding me? It was it was more of an attempt to try to again move it past his administration, 
while he goes on into the speech to to try to act as though he's had some success, he really wanted to try to get people to, to, to think past the past seven years with him and try to have it be the same type of motivational, inspirational speech that he gave actually in 2004 at the Democrat convention and also the one that he gave with the Greek columns in which he was motivational and inspirational in which he talked about we're not red. I don't want to be the president of red America or white America, but the United States of America. He, you know, it's it's as though he tried to, in the course of the speech tonight, tried to scrub who he really was and try to wipe the slate clean as much as when he ran for presidency, he had hid and wiped his, his, his candidacy clean and scrubbed his past as a candidate. That's what he was trying to do tonight. Oh, don't pay attention to who I was for seven years. In 08, he runs as a uniter. Then he spends seven years dividing and destroying America. And then he wants to give his last State of the Union address as though he's been a, been a uniter. And it's and one of the reasons why it's meant to completely distract. We've got all these low info, info voters out there who haven't paid any attention. They, they never have to suffer through the reality because they're too busy watching the Kardashians. And they buy into this crap. I said tonight I kind of envied them because they, they, they don't have any awareness of the lies. But the problem is, you know, he went on to say at one point in terms of anybody who's trying to tell you that we're in an economic de- decline is peddling fiction. His entire speech was fiction as he talked about himself and as he talked about for the first time he decides to, to talk about uh, praise America and as a great country and this isn't who we are. No, we know who you are. Don't try to lecture who we are, President Obama. We know who you are. You are the most anti-American citizen. You talk about when you leave office, you're going to go back to being a citizen. You've never been a true American citizen. You campaigned in 2008 as a citizen of the world, not of the United States of America. So, yeah, maybe when you're no longer president, you're going to go back to being a citizen, but not of America, at least not of the America that you that we were when you took office, because you've done as much as you could to destroy America. And I'm also going to get into throughout the show a little bit of the GOP response. And I threw it out there on Facebook before I came in for what thoughts were. And, and, and it's interesting how I heard the GOP response in the car on the radio and instead of seeing it. It's interesting how just that one difference in terms of hearing it and not being able to have the visual, how it can give you a different perception. This is the Andrea K. Show, if you're just tuning in. I'm going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to pick up the speech on the other side. We're going to talk about some of the lies. We're going to talk about why it's important, because we've got a chance to take this country back from this kind of division. We are. Obama was right about one thing. We were historically the greatest nation in the history of the world, but not because of the type of policies and the presidency that he has presided over, but because of what America was before he took office. So stay with us, folks. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170. The answer. Be sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. 
proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657-333. Kitchen you're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Thank you, DJ Carrot Sticks, for playing that phenomenal goodbye song. It's actually a goodbye song that my family and I have for many years now joked about and made fun of and mocked. Because mocking is what we do in my family, although we absolutely love the sound of music. Um, I love sharing the hour with you guys, and um, (sighs) I was so fired up. I was angrier tonight watching that speech than I have in really a long time, because there's one thing I have really little tolerance for, and that's somebody flat out lying to my face. It's like Judge Judy said and wrote a book about, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. You know, I have more respect for Bernie Sanders because he's far more honest of a human being than Barack Obama is. Joining me on the show tonight, I had to reach out to some people to help me. Help, first of all, talk me off the ledge, people. I need some help. Talk me off the ledge. Tell me it's going to all be okay. And also help me break down the speech tonight. I couldn't think anybody else better to help me do this than my buddy, Timothy Shea. Hey, T. Hey, Lulu. How you doing? Ooh, I'm better now that I that I got, that oh, I got through my... But, you know, am I wrong? Was this not just, uh, just uh, first of all, a redo of the hope and change speech, uh, repackaged and repurposed, meant to distract us from the reality of the past seven years of him, and then to carry the Democrats forward with to complete the transformation in which he talked about, because he kept talking about change, you know, and progress, and we can't be fearful of change. Uh, we got to look at five, ten years down the road. I'm not fearful of the kind of change. I, I, I don't resist their policy Timothy, because because I'm scared. That's like saying you 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 know um, have a particular view on policy. If you, I don't want to get into that. I started getting into another area. But Marxist, that's their Marxist attack on everything is to add phobia to it. If exactly. you're against something, you're a phobia. No, we're not a, we're not scared. We're ticked off. Exactly. I, I tweeted tonight a, a little Vine video of a terrorist on one of those segues and the wheels came off and he tumbles forward and the exp- his, the, his bomb explodes. And so he's like napalmed all over the ground. Right. Right. And I said, that, that was my expectation of tonight. He was going to start out zooming. The wheels are going to fall off and he's going to crash and burn. As bad as I thought it was going to be, it was 10 times worse. But 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 based upon whose analysis, because if you're a low information voter or you're one of these people out there who who doesn't pay any attention to, to any of the realities out there and you and you 
um, are somebody who actually believes NBC, for example, or any of the, the propagandists. Exactly. Then, you know, you, you could you could if you weren't somebody who actually is educated on on the issues and the true state of the union, you could actually hear that speech and think, well done. So well, it know, depends on heart, there's no hope for those people. OK, but let's break it down a little bit. He started out, he, he eased into the lies tonight, okay? Expectations for 2016 are low because it's an election season. No, they're low because you're still president, okay? And then the most criminally corrupt president in history talked about our commitment to law and order. Excuse me? It was at that point that I was, my fantasy was to have guys in FBI windbreakers come in and lead him out on a perp walk. Right. Well, I think that's been many of us with a fantasy for a while. But to me, he didn't ease into the lies. To me, he started out immediately um, with the lies because he started out with talking about, um, uh, again, with the, let me go back to my initial notes. I had to take pages and pages of notes. But, you know, to me, he softened the mark with talking about progress and this whole thing about fear because he started out with the. He eased into it. That's what I mean. Yeah, because he he, started out with little lies and then they got bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, to me, it was um, Breitbart came out with a top 10 lies. He he lied so, so much, so many. And there was so so much that was false about his speech that, you know, they had to give go with the top 10. I'm not sure what the worst lie to you was. I don't to me, they were all equal. I think it's just as equal of a lie to propagate uh, the notion of. Um, protecting our kids. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to read my notes. Equal pay for equal work, paid leave, raising minimum wage, all these socialistic European multiculturalism fantasies to try to pander to people with that kind of crap is just as egregious to me as him saying that, you know, people don't want to attack the United States because they fear, you know, their ruin. To me, every lie was equally bad. Yes, and that is the point where I tweeted to you that I literally could not type fast enough to keep up with his lies because what I had was I had hashtags, uh, SOTU translations, criminal justice translation, empty prison of new Democrat voters, protect our kids from gun violence translation, strip your two-way rights, fix our broken immigration system translation, bring in millions of illegal new Democrat voters. I mean, it was just that that section of the speech. It was just bam, 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 bam. You had to translate it all through the Marxist lens, and it was bad. Exactly. And but to the average American who's hurting out there, you know, they hear something like raising minimum wage, and it, it, and that sounds great to them because they don't understand the repercussions of that. They don't understand also that you connect all the dots to that, and what you have is you have. He goes on to lie and say that he loves the free market system and that it is the life blood of America, but then he goes on to talk about how, you know, you've got to control every aspect of it. So you really have to have, as a voter, we really need to have an American population who's paying attention and who will do what you just talked about, which is each point, take it point by point and translate it into what that really means to us as Americans. Because they... And and of course, we had climate change, and then we got into ISIL, and, you know, but here's how to spot a narcissist, Okay. First, he claims to have cured cancer, and then he says he's going to cure HIV and malaria. Excuse me? Right. Yeah. You know, and there's literally, he got into office. It's really disturbing to me to stand up there and to see him standing there as the first 
the first black president. He got elected on that basis alone, in my opinion, because Americans, there was a lot of white guilt and there was a lot of people that, that just really bought into the romanticism of that. And to see him as such a failure and such a disgrace as he stood there in such a narcissistic fashion, such a despotic fashion, it was so tyrannical to me. It was so deceitful that, you know, I would be, if I were a black American, I would be so ashamed of him. But he's done such a good job of dividing Americans and every aspect of this speech was so carefully crafted to continue the, the divide while telling us that he's a uniter, continuing to push every it was constantly out of one half of his mouth. He would say this and then turn right around and contradict it. Well, you had to leave for the station and you missed the worst part because you've just touched on it. OK, let me let me bring you up to speed on what you missed. This guy is such a narcissist, and he knew that he was telling such bald-faced lies. He literally could not keep a straight face. At the end of the speech, he cracked up twice when he was in the middle of a lie. It was, I would love to hear Dr. Gina's psychological profile of him, because what I saw was a liar laughing at the fact that he was getting away with his lies. It happened twice at the end. And then he did. He finished his last paragraph where, if I had one regret, it's that our politics is so divisive. Hello? Exactly. Look it's, in a mirror, pal. Yeah, there was really no, no accountability. And I don't expect a president to stand up in front of the people and say, I did this wrong, I did that wrong, except Ronald Reagan did accept accountability for Iran-Contra. But I don't resist his idea of change and progress because I fear it. And if I just, you know, kind of like, you know, maybe I need to take up scuba diving to get over my fear of water. I resist it because it's truly evil, Timothy. It is. It is totalitarian. It is meant to completely control every aspect of, of America. And it is not progress. What they want to do, and this is what the Republican Party needs to better communicate, is they don't want progress. They want to take us back to pre-World War II Germany. They want to take us back to the USSR. They want to take us back, e- even if you don't believe it's all the way back there, they want to take us back to where to what Europe has already done and how Europe has already destroyed itself. And they want to do it intentionally. Now, I listened to um, the GOP response, and I listened to it in the car on the way here, and I was inc- to say I was disappointed in it is an understatement. First of all, even if you think that Nikki Haley, if you're just tuning in, by the way, you're listening to the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer, KCBQ. And I'm so fired up, I don't even think I'm being even remotely cogent tonight in my arguments, and I'm kind of going all over the place. But while in the time I have left with you, I wanted to get to um, the GOP response. First of all, so much of a sales pitch is not what you say, it's how you say it. And Nikki Haley sounded to me about as passionate as a mannequin in Nordstrom at, at three in the morning when there's not even any customers in the store. She was, she was pretty low energy, but she did it for a reason, I think. Go, but go ahead. Well, if we've, got to, if we've got to try to ascribe reasons for somebody's low energy and lack of passion, and you know, la- because lack of passion and low energy translates to lack of persuadability. Well, because you, you can't you heard ins- it on the radio when you saw her she didn't look low energy because she was very animated she had a low controlled voice and the reason she did is because at the end of his speech he basically called out Donald Trump 
and all the people that are following Donald Trump is being loudmouths in the room. Okay, and and that is why she went there. I wasn't as disappointed as a lot of the Trumpeters on Facebook and Twitter have been. She's too GOPE for me. She's too pro-immigration. I don't want her as as POTUS or vice president or anything like that. Uh, But I thought that it was about as good a response as you could expect from the GOP because they're not going to put one of us up there. We know that. There, if if we, well, I disagree with you, and I tell you why. Because we have people in the Republican Party that can speak with passion without screaming. She was. But they're picked, not going to put Tom Cotton up. They're not going to put Ted Cruz up. They're not going to put anybody that's a true conservative up because the, because. GOP establishment does not want us to have a national platform. Okay, so therefore, it was not a great response. Because they didn't put up somebody passionate. They didn't put up somebody persuasive. They put up somebody that was that was limp. They put up somebody who actually, what, what the Democrats do really well is they don't rally behind a particular individual. They rally behind an agenda. And they push that agenda all day, every day. And they don't worry whether or not somebody else is going to call them loud. They don't worry whether or not somebody else is going to. They don't, they don't alter their behavior as though in advance of bullying, they do their thing. They are as passionate about their agenda as they want to be without worrying whether or not somebody's going to accuse them of being too passionate. They get as loud well, we as they want to be. They get as loud as they want to be without worrying whether or not somebody's going to accuse them of being too loud. So if she made a, a clear intentional choice of being that low energy when you when you and you got to know that your your response is going to be played over the radio as well as tv and if you're going to make an intentional then that to me is everything wrong that we have with the republican party and that's the kind of stuff that will cost us this election in 2016 and worse this is the woman who kowtowed to the left. She did tonight what she did in her state in which she kowtowed to the left and and blamed a symbol. We took down the symbol that divided us. That kid did not go into that church because of a flag. And now, and that led, all that did was continue to foster. It enabled, it encouraged the left. And what the Republican Party needs to do is stop giving into them what Trump is doing well. And she also took a dig at Trump. What Trump has done, done well is he is creating the narrative. He has them on defense. He has them worrying about how they're going to respond to him, not the other way around. So that, to me, proved once again why Trump is in the lead, why people are also supporting Cruz, because she is everything wrong. And that response tonight was everything wrong with the Republican Party. Tell me where I'm wrong. No, on that we agree, because I guess here's the thing. I'm a registered conservative, okay? I'm no longer a Republican. I was elected as a Republican. I left the party five years ago for this exact reason. And I guess my reaction isn't that it was so bad, because I don't expect more from the GOP. Okay, GOP, to me, there are two parties. There are two Republican parties now. There's Ted Cruz and Rand Paul and Donald Trump in one party, and then there's all the rest of them in GOP. Okay, and I don't really expect anything more from them. But I will give her this. She made it through the speech without having to hydrate halfway through it. I thought that was excellent. Well, okay. <laughs> I guess if that's, the, <laughs> if that's the best we can give her, that she made it all the way through. I mean, I think that, you know, if, if we're going to pick a woman because we, as a, as a party— and it's great to say you're a registered conservative, but the reality is, is we got to vote Republican because who else are we going to, who else are we going to well, vote exactly, for? But, uh, but, but the thing, thing is, okay, is that I would have, I would have rather if she was put out there because she's, she's a minority, the establishment, she's establishment, she's a woman and a minority. They would have done better and been smarter if they'd put Carly Fiorina to give the response. 
Pelosi, but they, they won't because she's a candidate. And I understand that. But here's the thing. The story tomorrow is not going to be about her drinking out of a bottle of water like it was when Marco gave the State of the Union, okay? The story has to be about Barack Obama tomorrow because she was pretty vanilla, okay? And in that way, I thought it was pretty good. They can't accuse us of anything bad. The story won't be anything about the Republican response tomorrow. The story will be all about the State of the Union. But see, Trump is in the lead because, well, see, I disagree and I'll tell you why. Because because if Trump or somebody like Trump had given that response, then tomorrow that's what they would be talking about. The problem is, is that nobody's going to be talking about her. Nobody's going, that's, that's bad to me because I want them, everybody to be talking tomorrow about the GOP response and how groundbreaking it was like Trump, he's the reason why other people can't get any traction is because he is dominating the media. He is creating the narratives. People are having to respond to him instead of other people. And that's what's putting everybody back on their heels. So if she gave a speech tonight that maybe it didn't, you know, do any self-inflicted wounds, but it also didn't advance the party, then to me, that's a fail. That's a fail. I agree. But again, I come back to my point. They're never going to put one of us up there. They just aren't going to do it. So expect that or is kind of a fool's errand. I mean, it's tilting at windmills. It's never going to happen. It's, it, I'm it's, waiting to see what I'm really I'm excited to see how Trump and Ted are going to uh, go off on this State of the Union tomorrow. It's going to be fantastic. Well, yeah, um, I just wish that, you know, on, on the platform that we had tonight, it's a different thing in analyzing the response and having an and is different from expectations of what the response would be. And I think if we continue as a party to just, uh, to um, basically, you know, say, oh, well, we can't expect anymore and to just be in accepting mode, you know, that. Well, I think as a party, we're exactly where we were in 1980. And I think that there's going to be a huge change in the party next year. Well, I'm hope so. So uh, thank you so much for calling in. Final thought, 30 seconds. I think that this is going to be a really exciting year. This is a tipping point. This is the most critical year. If we had won in 2012, regardless of what you think of Mitt Romney, we wouldn't be where we are today. I really see this as the last gas for the republic known as the United States of America. I agree. Got to leave it there. Hey, and we got to take a real quick break. We come back. I got a caller waiting because I want to talk to him about some of these economic things that came up because, you know, we've got to do better as a Republican Party in terms of explaining things in a way that the average voter and employee can understand. Hey, this is the Andrea K. Show. Don't change that dial. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Do you struggle with the day to day management of your business? Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today, 877-749-3533.
Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation, a fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me tonight. I was all fired up. I've been so angry. Thank you, Timothy Shea, for calling in beforehand and, and helping, helping me to work out some of my angst. I got another caller in here on the show. His name is Bill, and he's a... Um, former small business owner here in San Diego. And one of the things that, you know, when you hear a speech like this, that's full of so many lies and so many obfuscations and just different ways that a politician aims to get over on America, it's like it, it, some things jump out to some people more than others. And what really jumped out to Bill in this speech was some of the economic stuff, something called wage insurance, for example. So I asked him to call in the show tonight so we can talk about some of these economic stuff. This is the kitchen table stuff that people are going to be voting on. And, you know, the, uh, yes, it was Obama's last State of the Union address, but this is where the Democrat Party is going to pick up the ball and run with it going into 2016. So, Bill, Thank you for calling in the Andrea K. Show. I appreciate you taking the time. Hi, Andrea. I think uh, I think Obama has uh, lit the fuse on the dynamite. You're on fire tonight, Bill. <laughs> I would have been on so on fire at some points, though. I could hardly my brain was working so fast I could hardly get a sentence out. But one of the things that really, really made me crazy mad was him saying that anybody who says that this economy is on the decline is peddling fiction. We have the lowest job participation rate in, what, 40-something years? We've got, we've got more people on disability now because they, they can't get a job. Uh, so we've got more people on disability than ever before. We've almost got 50% of Americans on some form of government assistance. Most of the jobs that there were created that he talks about are part-time jobs. And one of the reasons for that is because Obamacare was the biggest, most tyrannical piece of legislation ever forced on the American people and is a job destroyer. Then on top of it, while lying out of one side of his mouth and talking about how he's a lover of the free market and private enterprise, he's talking about stuff like, wage insurance now i i've gotten offers in the in the past in the mail from credit card companies trying to get me to buy uh insurance so that if i ever lost my job uh you know i i would be covered isn't that my job my responsibility as an american to make sure that i've either got money and savings or some type of insurance to cover myself why is he saying that that's now an employer's responsibility well, I, I think that uh, basically he probably is going to be making some orthopedic surgeon really happy tonight because he probably broke both of his arms patting himself on the back. Um, he wants credit for anything good and no blame for anything bad that has happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
Uh, it's a travesty. It's absolutely a travesty. As far as wage insurance go, uh, this is sort of down the weeds, but for anybody who's owned a business, small or large, uh, this may turn out to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Obamacare uh, is bad enough, but uh, it's nice to say wage insurance if you lose your job or get downsized, but the question of my mind is who's going to pay for it? Right. Uh, is it a subsidy on top of unemployment insurance? Um, it, do you have to buy a policy uh, to protect your income? Um, uh, it just baffles me as to who's going to pay for all this good stuff. If you make $100,000 a year, do you get that much if you're laid off? Is the government yeah. going to pay you? I, I, there no, you know, all of these things, it's really easy to put something out there, pablum, um for the low-information voter, it's another thing to have to pay for. Yeah, and like wage equality. So if, if you're a small business owner and, and you've got 10 employees and the male workers are more productive, they're outperforming the female workers, are you, are you required to, to you're going to have the government come in and try to force you to pay a woman more? And doesn't that set you up then for discrimination lawsuits? You know, I mean, there's so much intrusion that's happening into the, into the business community that it's literally destroying jobs out there. It's, it, and how do we... As Republicans and conservatives, how do we get the low-information voter to understand that? Boy, that's a tough question, uh, B, just because they're low-information. They don't generally listen. And, and you know the old adage that once uh, 51% of the people who don't contribute can realize that they can control the other 49% that do, the country's gone, just like in Rome. So, so if I w- if you were talking to a low, inf- you owned a small business, a very successful one here in San Diego, there was lots of tough going with that. You know, you were the one that got called at three o'clock in the morning when, when there was a problem with the business. You're the one who had all the legal responsibility. It, it, it took all the risk financially. You know what it's like to have to make a payroll. You're the, you're the one that had to, to, if anything went wrong or there was some expense, it came directly out of your profit. So you have lived this. If you were talking to an Obama voter or a Democrat voter right now, and they were to say to you, well, what's wrong with the government uh, increasing minimum wage? What's wrong with the government forcing you to provide wage insurance? What, how could you get them to understand the value of free markets and the value of liberty in the workplace as a business owner? Well, I think I'd probably take that person to lunch and I'd take him to McDonald's and I'd let him order off the new kiosk that they have and let them get their burger a little colder than they normally would because there are fewer cooks, fewer people to clean up, and fewer people working there as a direct result of all the costs that are incurred by small business. Small business, uh, and for a lot of, to a lot of degree, large business, they, they don't have, a, don't have a, uh, some a money tree. They can just go out and pull money off so they can pay people more money. They've got to turn a profit. If they don't turn a profit over a period of time, they go out of business. And then nobody has a job. Uh, And I would hope they would understand that. If they don't understand that, it's almost like a lost cause. Well, I think one interview that I saw with Neil Cavuto was when he, and I talked about it on last night's show, he brought this, one of the things Obama talked about tonight in the speech was, you know, free, two years of free community college. It's just the right thing to do. Well, who's going to pay for that? You know, these schools... uh, 
are tremendously expensive to operate. And I was talking on last night's show about uh, the Neil Cavuto interview where he has this girl come on. She decides to debate Neil Cavuto because she's a Bernie Sanders supporter. She grew up in a home that was worth over a million dollars. She's going to a college that cost about 30 something thousand dollars a year in tuition. And he asks her, you know, how are we going to pay for all this? Dead silence. So, uh, you know, the Republican. Did you see that interview? Yeah. I mean, so sometimes some of what we can do as a Republican Party is kind of take it back to the basics. Try to educate the the low information voter. First of all, there's no such thing as government money. When he pandered tonight to the people, one of the worst lines of the night was the people on food stamps, they didn't cause this financial crisis. Well, you know what? There's many people you just talked about when we get to where we've got 51 percent are takers and only 50% makers, we're dead. The reality is, is we we were based on a society of individual responsibility, and we have too many Americans that can, can live more um, financially secure. They can make more money off the dole now, off the backs of their fellow citizens than they can if they go out and, and get a job. But they don't necessarily even know, Bill, that when they get a check that says from the United States Treasury that there is no government money. We need to say to them, maybe try to shame them a little bit. We used to have shame in our society. We used to shun people. We, you know, who was it who said, was it, was it Benjamin Franklin or somebody who said that we need to make people uncomfortable when they're on government assistance. So well, I think we need to do that. We used to be a meritocracy, but we're not anymore. I mean, it reminds me of this guy they had on the national news that lived in Pacific Beach that was bragging about the fact that he could go into the local lawns and buy lobster tails right. with his government check. Um, and they asked him, don't you feel bad about that? And he says, oh, no, you know, if they're going to offer it to me, I'm going to take it. That's right. I surf all day and I don't have to work. Yeah, he doesn't. uh, He may not understand that there is no government money. He may not understand that that is money that was directly taken from people like you and people like DJ Carrot Sticks who work hard. That 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 basically the government is picking your pockets and then giving that money to somebody else. Maybe if we made people like that actually have to go and knock on some doors and put them through that exercise. You're not going to get a government check until you go around through your neighborhood and you knock on the door and you ask them for money, even as a symbolic gesture. I know this may sound outlandish, but it's a way to maybe make, to re, we need to re-educate Americans on basic economic principles. We need to bring some shame back into society that you need to be independent, financially independent, that you, your life and your livelihood is your responsibility and yours alone. He said in the speech tonight, somebody, you know, you're here because somebody stood up for you or defended you at some point. It's all this collective mindset that we're part of this community. It's Marxism. No, I'm not here, Bill, because somebody stood up for me. I'm not here because of government assistance. I'm not here of any community. I am where I am in life because I decided for myself to do what I had to do to be financially secure for myself, to be financially independent. And I did it without any government assistance. I did it without any other citizens financially supporting me. That's the message that the Republican Party has to somehow communicate, but it's just not as sexy as, you know, free college. No, it isn't. And, uh, you know, to go back to your point about having people knock on other people's door, I, I would like to see the reaction of uh, some of these people went to beg at people's doors. And the guy that opened the door was a steel worker who's just been on a, you know, an 18 hour shift and is filthy, tired, yeah. and dirty and 
them asking him for money. I mean, the guy's probably going to get a punch in their face as opposed to, you know, any money. Yeah, well, you um, know, Bill Clinton actually— Yeah, and you know what? But, but if we started shaming people a little bit and trying to make them understand exactly what they're doing when they're taking and taking and taking and taking, we would probably have less of it. And we also need to get back to—it was Bill Clinton who said that welfare should be, um, should be transactional, that you should not get a dime from anybody without having to earn it in some way, shape, or form. And so that's well, didn't some uh, some state in the Northeast uh, uh, make people just recently search for a job before they got any money yep. or do some public employee work in the welfare rules, uh, you know, went down dramatically. Absolutely. I think it was Maine and in Europe. Yeah. Europe started doing the same thing. I think in Scandinavia, they had um, long term unemployment uh, benefits and payouts for five years. And when they cut it back to four years, suddenly people started getting a job within four years. Then they decided, well, you know what? Maybe if we cut it back to three years, people will start looking for a job and get a job. And, and every time they cut it back, funny how people seem to find a job right around the time that their benefits were being cut. But the problem that we've got here in America is that we're continuing to increase the amount of benefits that we're giving out to people. Uh, you know, as President Obama talked tonight about uh, the, his love for the free enterprise system, he's also the same man that signed into the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement to to expand uh, the global economy at the expense of our manufacturing here. And we just don't have the jobs here anymore. We're not manufacturing here anymore. And it is not the evil corporations that he blamed tonight or the one percenters. When you are, he is actively through the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement and through his regulations intentionally um, pushing jobs overseas while at the same time demonizing the corporations. We just don't have the jobs here anymore. And well, the liberals are all about um, being able to govern through the use of the governmental agencies and regulations. And mm-hmm. the regulatory environment that business finds itself in now is so difficult that it's, it's, uh, that's why the, the, a lot of the manufacturing jobs went overseas. It could, be done, it could be done cheaper because we have environmental regulations. We have all types of uh, health regulations. We have all types of other things. I mean, the list is endless. So what you have to deal with with the government as an employer, and I don't see it getting any better until somebody decides they can really take on some of these governmental agencies, which are basically out of control right now. Mm-hmm. We can't even build a pipeline to get oil to this company, country to help people with lower gas prices um, because the environmental lobby has decided that it would, you know, harm some sort of a bug somewhere. Right now, he and, and President Obama in his in his lies tonight and his propaganda said, "Oh, there's some red tape that needs to be cut." Some he he's put out. I, I had a guest on last week's show. I think we have eighty thousand pages of regulations. I know a local business guy manufacturer to where if you've ever been into a Walmart or a Target and you saw those red phones on the wall, he manufactures those. And I talked to him about a year or so ago, and he said that he literally has to decide every day when he goes into work as president or the CEO which laws he's going to obey as in regulations and which ones he's not, because otherwise he can't afford to stay in business. And um, No, that, that's right. I mean, and, and coupled along with this is a real problem. And Obama said tonight that he wanted to make it easier for people to vote. Well, how much easier does it have to be? We've already got dead people voting multiple times in multiple precincts. Uh, dare I say it, that uh, we the people means the legal citizens of this country, those who have the legal right to vote, not 
illegal aliens to come here, get a driver's license, go to the voting booth, and keep voting for people who are going to continue to give them freebies. Exactly. And that's just more pandering and, and more uh, division. That's more meant to tell the black people and the minorities that the, the evil white Republicans, you know, want to want to keep them down and, and because they want to talk about the the civil rights, uh, you know, voting act, uh, you know, the, the same people that have to have a driver's license to go buy a 40 ounce or to go rent a car or to go um, open up a checking account suddenly can't be expected to present a, a driver's license at the voting booth. You know, that's the, it, well, you it's know what's, just, what's really interesting is that, you know, who Tavis Smiley is. Yes. He's a very, very liberal black gentleman. And, uh, you know, the awesome Obama, Obama said he wanted to try to bring people together when he was voted in. That was part of his campaign mantra. Tavis Smiley said the other day that um, uh, every by every economic measure, black people have lost ground in this country. They voted for him and they got screwed for their efforts. Yeah. In fact, I think we might. Do we have that clip, Todd? I think we might actually have that Tavis Smiley clip. Let's see if we can play that. Real sure. Quick. I mean, that's somebody's health care. People were scared and people didn't want to lose their health and so on. There are a lot of lies about that, too, though, Megan. Absolutely. But, yeah. but on the subject of race, do you think, are, are, we, are we better off now than we were seven years ago? I'm not sure that we are, and I think ultimately the president missed a moment. What we try to lay out in this book, The Covenant Without America, 10 years later, is that on every leading economic issue, on the major economic issues, black Americans have lost ground in every one of those leading categories. So for the last 10 years, it's not been good for black folk. Um, and so this is the president's most loyal constituency that didn't gain, gain, gain any ground really in that period. Now, the debate's going to be for years to come whether or not he wasn't bold enough or whether or not he was obstructed. I think the answer is both. And historians got... Yeah, well, you know, hat tip to Tava Smiley for pointing out the truth that whatever economic measurement, and thank you for teeing that up for me, Bill, whatever economic oh, measurement, <laughs> whatever measurement you want to use, he has failed the black population. You know, the black young men, they, their unemployment rate is something like 25%. And the, and the black vote started peeling away in the midterm elections in 2014 from him because they saw that this man that they voted for, that they cried over, that they couldn't wait to see step into office office was throwing them aside like last week's newspaper for the flood of illegals coming across the border for votes. Uh, however, then Tavis Miley has to come out and try to offer excuses for him. So you know what? Wake up, black America. Wake up every minority. Wake up every low information voter, because we have got to take this country back. Um, Do you remember when Obama was about ready to take the presidency. The interview that was done with a black lady in Florida who was screaming at the top of her lungs, I don't have to pay my grant. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get a new bathroom. I, I wonder if anybody has had the guts to go back and re-interview her and ask her what she thinks. Well, you know what? Chances are that woman was found a while back from certain operatives, and they've made sure that she's probably living fat. You know, for all we know, she's got that winning Powerball, you know, ticket. You know? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Now, um, the, one of the things that he said in his speech was he said, how do we reignite the spirit of innovation as he pretended he was a free market, you know, private enterprise lover? You know how we reinvigorate and reignite the American spirit that led the world? We get the government off the backs of every yep, business absolutely. owner out there. We st we have become a nation to where you can't even have literally a lemonade stand on the corner without the government demanding a permit, which is permission to sell lemonade. Every aspect of our life 
is already under control and they just want more and more and more of it. A couple of other questions that he asked, Bill, I want to get your response around the t- two minutes that we have left. He says that was so particularly egregious to me. And again, it was more division and Uh, particularly amongst minorities. How do we give everyone a fair shot at opportunity and security? Everybody already has the same opportunity when they're born in this country. It's up to you to decide. That's what I was saying earlier when he was saying, oh, you're here because somebody stood up for you or somebody did this for you. No, I'm here because of my own individual will and refusal to give up for my life. And and everybody has the same opportunity. We got to stop allowing Americans to think. Go ahead. I'm I'm sorry, I just... You know, the one thing that comes to my mind is the fact that, that um, I do think there are people with disadvantage. They have disadvantaged educations because they're thrown into a system like in, in here in California where teachers tenure, they're allowed to go teach at the good teachers, at the higher paid teachers go to the best schools. The new teachers that don't know anything, basically, or how to teach go to the worst schools. And the people, the kids that are in those classes start off disadvantaged. There's got to be a way to solve that, and the way to solve that is get rid of teacher tenure. Well, that's a great point, but I will also tell you the way to solve that is the way that I did it. You know, because um, I, I got to say this, and then I got to leave it here. You know, I was born the daughter of two Marines, and we moved around a good bit when I when I was a little kid until we finally settled in Louisiana. And my moving around in different school systems left me so disadvantaged. By the time I got to LSU, I had to take remedial math. I couldn't do some of the basics. I ended up forcing myself to learn and knuckling under to where I ended up getting A's in quantitative business analysis because I knew that I either had to learn math and tackle it on my own or I had no future. So I did that for myself. Just like Ben Carson did it for himself. We all have the same opportunity. I wish that I had been born a Rockefeller, but I wasn't. So you know what? Yeah, I had to right. take responsibility for my life and and do what I had to do for me. And so um, I got to leave it there. Thank you for what you did for me tonight, calling in tonight, and for what you've done as a business owner here in San Diego. Love you. Have a great night. Um, How to wrap this up. Basically, going into the election, um, we need somebody. One of my friends on Facebook said today, if Trump is the nominee, I just can't bring myself to vote for him. (sighs) After what we saw tonight, President Obama's speech, his State of the Union address, was basically the Democrats' talking points going into 2016. I will hold my nose and vote for any Republican who's running for office because we can not have another Democrat. Timothy Shea is right. This is a tipping point in America. We have got to take this country back. Let's keep this conversation rolling on my Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K5. Go to my uh, website. I've got a comments page there. AndreaKshow.com. I love you all. Thanks so much for joining me tonight. Have a great night, everybody. Sponsored by Allied Media Group.